0: You're listening to the ShipBob Operator Series. Each week, your host, Casey Armstrong, ecom veteran, is joined by founders,
1: operators, and insiders who are bringing along their stories and data to give you the exclusive inside scoop and tactics from those who have been there, done it, and gotten their hands dirty. You can tune in for a live recording Wednesdays. Head
0: to operators.shipbob.com for the details. But until then, enjoy this audio replay.
2: Hi, and we are live today with a very special Earth Week episode of the Operator Series. We're sitting down with two brands utilizing a game-changing approach to uh, carbon neutrality and zero-emission fulfillment, or should I say carbon offsetting fulfillment. Today we are joined by Blue Lagoon Skincare, um, a brand that has been owned over 25 years in the making with a secret ingredient that's created uh, through a unique uh, geothermal process. It's harvested at a special research laboratory in Iceland and it uses carbon dioxide throughout the process, both in offsetting and also using it for product development. We also have Herbally, a wellness company that produces a range of tea blends and essential oils designed to support healthy blood sugar levels. Herbally is also uh, extremely committed to sustainability and it plays an impact in every decision they make from their ingredients down to their packaging. What do these two brands have in common? Well, they both use our latest integration, carbon offsetting, via Pashama. We also have David here from Pashama, which is a mission-driven company with the aim of restoring nature to help climate change. So what does that mean? Pashama works with a range of businesses from e-commerce brands to technology companies like Shopify to help distinguish uh, what your actual carbon footprint looks like and allows you to offset that using a portfolio of forest regeneration and deforestation prevention projects. So with that introduction, I'm going to kick it off to our CMO, Casey, and our host of the show. And if you have any questions, please don't forget to drop them in our questions tab. Um, And to start things off, just uh, let us know where you're tuning in from.
3: Yes. Gina, thank you very much. And like Gina mentioned, we're really excited with Earth Week and and our partnership announcement with Pashama and having both Blue Lagoon and and Herbally taking part of that. And so what we're doing is we're trying to make our entire fulfillment network carbon neutral through the offsets. And then there are brands such as both of these utilizing our Pachama integration. So very exciting. As Gina mentioned, drop in the comments, whichever direction that is, where you are calling in from. I know we always have people calling in from all over the world, and we actually have some of our guests today that are outside of the US as well. And so real quick on who we have here, we have uh, Fanar, who's the Environmental and Quality Manager over at Blue Lagoon, um, sitting next to Signe, who's the Sales and Business Development Leader at Blue Lagoon. I was telling them before, it's really nice to see people actually sitting next to each other um, <laughs> as the world opens up a little bit more and, and that becomes uh, you know a, a normal thing again. Then we have Michael, who's the co-founder and managing director at Herbaly, And then David, who is a, who's the partnership lead over at Pachama and has just been great, great to work with, with us over at ShipBob. We're just really excited about everything today. And so let's see. Let's see. Come on, people in the chat. So we've got people from Chicago, as always. We have Calgary. There we go, representing international. And so, Finar and Signe, where are you guys calling in from today?
4: Well, we are calling in from Iceland. So it's uh, yeah. quite the northern <laughs> Far away from the US,
5: we are located at the yeah. research and development center here at the Blue Lagoon, and uh, we are located yeah. uh, at, the, at an 800-year-old um, lava field, which is quite close to the to the uh, fairly new eruption of the a very small volcano yeah. w- volcano here nearby. <laughs> Must keep things nice very and stable. Very tiny
4: volcanic uh, eruption, uh, but <laughs> extremely.
3: Incredible to watch, yeah. actually. That's... I I bet it is. I should grab my my six year old. He'll want to see that kind of stuff. And then Michael, where are you calling in from?
0: So we're in Montreal, Canada. So today we have a uh, quite a snowstorm today. When I heard a Blue Lagoon story, I'm like, that's extremely exciting. And now there's volcanoes erupting nearby. I'm like, <laughs> I, it's hard to stop the stories. But we do have a nice snowfall today here in Montreal.
1: Nice. And and David, what about you? Yeah, I. Uh... Be remiss if I didn't acknowledge. I saw all of the um, the volcano eruptions. It was blowing up my Instagram, and it's so cool now with everyone having drones that they can just. All the user generated content of it was especially at night it was really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I am calling in from San Francisco. Perfect, and I'm just south of you. I'm down in Southern
3: California. So before nice. we get into sustainability and the carbon carbon neutrality and everything like that, I want to start off just with you know understanding some of the backstories of your companies. And so, you know, either Fanar or Signy, Blue Lagoon, it's been 30 years in the making. What was the catalyst behind taking Blue Lagoon online?
4: Well, actually, we've been, you know, our first product came out in 1995. And uh, we've been selling online for almost 20 years now. Our drivers, are our customers that come to the spa and experience the Lagoon by themselves and the uh, and the products, of course. So we have through three distinct uh, product lines to, that we offer our customers. That It is um, our unique spa line. This is how the, uh, the, our guests can experience the wonders of the Blue Lagoon at home. We, of course, have the dermatological line as well. And now we've just re- recently re- launched a BL Plus, a new brand with a focus on updating skincare and face power. So it's uh, we are very excited about mm. that. Yeah. And of course, most importantly, you know, we feel the healing power of the lagoon is so magnificent and the ingredients in the water and we feel kind of responsibility, uh, responsible and just sharing it with the world. So that's uh, one of our key drivers and we've been emphasizing that even more, you know, started in the beginning of last year. And then, of course, the pandemic hit us, and uh, everybody, you know, started to focus online. But this is uh, our main focus now, with uh, you know, increasing and and deliver our products worldwide.
3: Nice, in- right, so that's great. And so, uh, and I see some people in the comments have actually been to the Blue Lagoons. So that's cool. Um, okay. Great, and- almost welcome yeah. back.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> with you know, launching the site online over 25 years ago, obviously a lot's evolved in the e-commerce space. So I don't know when you guys got involved in, you know, with the product line and and going online, but what were you all using maybe earlier in the process? And what are you using today? Maybe from like an e-commerce platform or from a a technology perspective.
4: Unfortunately, I can't tell you much about, you know, the platform we did uh, used to use as I wasn't working here at that moment, but still it was kind of simple. We started domestically, but, expanded very soon internationally. and of course we also wanted to you know as we uh, focus on our core business and product development, we wanted the best uh, to serve and you know, come in with their shipping and, mm-hmm. and and fulfillment expertise. So that was very important to us. Uh, also when we looked at the beginning of this year when we started to expand, we wanted the best partners. And that's, of course, where ShipUp came in. So it's been really, really good to work with you guys.
3: Nice. Well, thank you. And I want to go deeper into expanding internationally in a second. But you guys are based in Iceland. Are mm-hmm. a majority of your customers in Iceland? Are they in Europe? Are they in North America? Are they in the U.S.? Where are a majority of your customers?
4: Well, a ma- majority of our customers are actually in the U.S. but also in the United Kingdom. And we deliver all over the world. But... Basically, it's the uh, U.S. is our largest
3: market. Okay, interesting. And then, Michael, if we jump over to you, because again, you're you're based in North America, but not yeah. in the U.S., and so I want to you know understand a little bit more about domestic versus international, what that looks like for you. But tell us a little bit. What was the catalyst for Herbaly?
0: Yeah. So we have so we're we're three partners. So there was Joe and Daniel. So we were more. They're more from an online first world. So performance marketing. They have an agency and the likes, and they started getting. You know, a lot of requests for more natural blood sugar products. So, in that, they were looking for a partner, and I came about, and I come from a background, you know, from a manufacturing background with parents that were very nature product focused. It wasn't that they were health seekers, it just came naturally to them to, you know, everything was cooked on the spot, it was just very rarely branded items, and that sort of world. So, my parents were already, you know, putting together herbs for blood pressure it was a common thing in the house to collect wild herbs and, and that sort of thing for themselves. So when, uh, when we partnered up, we realized it's a perfect fit and we created a blood sugar tea. So that's still our, our main product is a blood sugar tea. We were, so we did have the pros or I guess the benefit of having that performance marketing backgrounds from Joe and Dan. And then from my side, it was more the manufacturing, the logistics, the supply chain and, and
3: the rest. And I remember reading about Her- herbally a while ago and, when- it seemed like, you know, you guys wanted to get started as fast as possible, of course, getting feedback from your customers to figure out, you know, what to, what to actually create and, and how to evolve that. But you guys were pretty surprised at how much people love the product and, and the uptick. And so, you know, it seems like you guys jumped on the yeah, so know, roller coaster pretty quickly. So, yeah, tell us about that.
0: I mean, from my background, I would have suggested a lot more market research, a lot more product testing. But they, they had some initial thoughts that you know blood sugar natural products were really in request or in demand. So we were very surprised or I guess fortunate to say, okay, well, this is working. This is this is the early early data proved successful. And the feedback was good. And we've had a few iterations to the product so far, but not as normally I guess as I, I would normally expect from a new product launch.
3: And then for for you, you, can, you guys are in North America, but based in Canada. Where's the majority of your customers based? Say ninety five percent U.S. Okay, so we're still
0: we're sort of like Blue Lagoon in the sense, but we're looking to expand internationally with Shubub. Um, and I know you wanted to touch base on that later, but we see a lot of benefit in in leveraging your expansion uh, and just growing with you side by side.
3: That's great. And and then we can we'll throw it back to Blue Lagoon after this. But as you think through going internationally. Because I think that's something that a lot of companies like, like ShipBob, you know, and, and there's companies like, like Shopify through their platform or companies like Stripe through their payments gateway is really kind of, you know, shrinking the world. So it's easier to, to sell or to market and then transact and then to ship internationally. So what was your process? Like you said, you're more from the operations background. So you're pretty methodical about it. Like, how have you guys thought about going from a brand that's maybe primarily in North America and then starting to spread overseas? I mean,
0: ShipUp has really facilitated this whole process in our planning. Uh, From a product perspective, we're really looking at it in terms of languages. So Europe is maybe the more complex in terms of packaging, in terms of so so many languages, so many countries. So we do have an inventory system that works with ShipUp that we're hoping will facilitate you know, shipping the right product to the right consumer in the right language. In terms of a supply chain, again, so we're looking for manufacturers in each country or as close to as possible. So we're not looking to work with our U.S. suppliers for the European market. And the main reason for that, besides freight duties and the rest, is also a sustainable objective of everybody wants to buy local. Made in USA works very well for us in the U.S. It's packaged in USA. It's blended in USA. Some of the ingredients that could be our source in USA, and we hope to do the same thing in Europe, in Australia and in the other countries. So just recreating that full supply chain in those countries individually.
3: Nice, and and you mentioned sustainability, and we'll get to that in a second, and and bring in David for for that as well. But um, Signe and Finar, like, if you could share us a little bit about how you have thought about going international. Um, I know before you guys were talking, you know, br- briefly in like Icelandic, but you obviously speak English really well. I've uh, I've helped run a an international D2C brand as well, where we had to be pretty. We were we were headquartered in Germany, and so the site was in in German. And then the next iteration of the site was also in in English. And then as we thought of how we'd expand, we actually started targeting like the Nordics where we didn't we felt like we didn't have to translate it into local language because English is rather dominant. Same, yeah. same, it seems like in, in Iceland as well. So just really curious how you, how you've thought about, again, going overseas, you know, going in North America might be easier because there's a big market and it's all English speaking, but you guys are in Europe. And so how you've thought, you know, gone after, let's say Germany or France or Spain or, or countries like that as well.
4: Yeah, of, of course, the, the language part is a complicated issue, but we decided to, you know, we have our products in English and we focus on mm-hmm. just keeping them in English language. So uh, at least for now, and of course, one of our key drivers are you know our customers, the, those that come here and experience the spa and the lagoon, and they really you know long for the product to be available. So they are you know our best, yeah,
5: spokespersons yeah, as always. Product. So
4: they are. This is uh, how we you know felt the increase in demand.
5: And that, that is that's how it actually started. We, yeah. were, we were getting guests that really mm-hmm. wanted to experience this uh, experience further, mm-hmm. so taking some products home with them and and trying it on and and uh, seeing seeing how it how it uh, increased your wellness. So and those customers actually wanted to buy them more. And uh, not everyone can always come to Iceland fairly easily, especially during this pandemic. So. So we felt that okay, we need to expand this to our customers uh, anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. so they can enjoy the wellness of of, of this uh, Blue Lagoon uh, experience. Which, as as was uh, we're talking about this, uh, it's how it been,
4: all started.
5: Yeah, we've been yeah. researching this uh, phenomenon for uh, over thirty years, and now we have peaked at the at the right product that I think will uh, our customers uh, can fairly enjoy the the Blue Lagoon experience at all. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm curious if you have any examples of how you've been able to, through through digital mediums, try to like transmit the experience of actually being there. Because I'm not surprised people go there. It's a magical experience. They mm-hmm. want to hold on to that, you know, for as long as possible after they leave. I think about this a lot with, you know, there's like perfumer cologne brands. It's like, you know, you go into like a department store, you can actually like smell what you like and don't like but that's hard to transmit online. So, you know, with Blue Lagoon, how have you guys maybe gone about that, trying to give them that experience and, and shared, like, the benefits of, you know, your products?
4: Well, it comes down to the ingredients and in the products. Mm-hmm. Like uh, was mentioned before, we uh, one of our core products are uh, silica mask, which is, comes directly from the lagoon. And then, of, of course, as well, the algae, so and you can you know you feel and you you smell the ingredients and that's how you actually bring it back mm-hmm. home and then of course the salt that they, we make here at the mm-hmm. facility
5: so uh, this is uh, a factor and as Sydney said before our consumers or the guests that come mm-hmm. to the Blue Lagoon are actually the most the best uh, ones that can yeah. spread the word and yeah. we have actually designed all our all our facilities in a, in a way that. Where we we have these moments during the the customer journey where where you're going through the lava field into the building and and experiencing it all uh,
2: nature
5: firsthand. Uh, nature firsthand. and actually all our buildings and everything is designed into the into the environment so so it, it's 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 a very unique fantastic experience and and we have these moments that uh, our guests can take you know, some some pictures and selfies and like, and spread that around because that is also a part of the experience because we we want as uh, consumers to to let our friends and and family know what we are experiencing. And we also actually have in the Lagoon itself, we have greeters that actually have uh, cameras and take pictures for our guests and send them to them so they can then uh, send it forward uh, to any social media that they want. So and that's uh, that's worked fairly well for us. That's great. And, you know, you mentioned, again, we've talked about sustainability and being
3: environmentally conscious at Blue Lagoon, maybe from, you know, like with our announcement today, from like a a fulfillment and supply chain perspective, how have you gone after, let's say, carbon neutrality or being as sustainable as possible up to today? And, And how do you see that evolving over time? So uh,
5: Blue Lagoon is actually uh, based on sustainability because we originated from a, a geothermal uh, power plant that is located close to us. And this is based on green energy, uh, capturing uh, uh, hot, very hot water from uh, almost two kilometers from the earth. And from that water is, is the geothermal seawater, which is most of our products are, are based from. And this is what uh, makes the Blue Lagoon blue really. It's uh, part of the experience here. And what we have done with the skin is, is take some of these key ingredients from the geothermal seawater and produce like silica, uh, algae, uh, soft, and also we have lava that is uh, coming from the neighboring area here where we, which we use in our, our lava scrub. This is also key in, in like circular economy uh, when you're looking at and in, into like reusing resources, because Blue Lagoon is actually reusing this resource after the energy, uh, they have t- captured the energy from it. And actually, after we we've taken like the silica from the geothermal seawater, we use that water then going into our cultivation algae cultivation tanks to cultivate the algae. And another thing that we do actually that we take CO two CO two gas coming from that boreholes that. Uh, produce this energy and we capture that and use that to feed the algae in the in the tanks as well. So we are continuously always circulating, reusing the resources and capturing the CO2 with uh, the growth of the algae. And we have shown through uh, many years of research that this uh, algae has a very good effect on your skin and anti-aging effects and and so on. And this is sort of the the core of what Blue Lagoon is. We are located at a, at a resource park, which is also named uh, unesco Geo UNESCO, uh, Geopark here. so we are we are we are always preserving the environment and but still fully utilizing the resources that they provide. You mentioned circular economy, and yeah. that's something that I probably
3: should know more about. I was actually talking to a founder late last week. And he and his co-founder, they kept mentioning, you know, circular economy and how they thought about like resale. And I was like, is that a term that people actually use? Or is this just you putting some fancy spin on it? And, and, and he's like, no, it's, it's very common. So if you could just for everybody listening, explain, you know, circular economy a little bit.
5: Yeah. So the word circular economy is actually uh, like you're saying, it's, 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 it's a new topic that is maybe coming more into discussion now than before. But uh, it's, it's fairly old. And it's actually, the. although we have been working in this circular economy uh, way, we, we really, really didn't have a, have a word on it. But now we, okay, this is circular economy, actually. So circular economy is really just taking resources and reusing them as efficiently as possible. And then uh, reusing as much as often as, as, as you can. So you're always circulating uh, products, circulating uh, packaging, uh, materials, finding new life it so so it's, it's really uh, basically it's a world without waste we're, we're trying to take the waste out of the equation and finding new uh, new ways to use materials i'm glad
3: you mentioned that and again it's funny when i asked him he's like he's like no you're gonna start hearing about this a lot more right. this is the power of also naming things and so you know he's he's based in San Francisco. You guys are obviously in Iceland, using like the same terminology to talk about it. So definitely something for all of us to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And then David, we're going to get you in one sec. But Michael, what about with you all? How have you have you all approached you know being as sustainable within your supply chain, and, and how's that maybe evolved more recently? And and maybe talk us through your decision to work with uh, Pachama as well.
0: Lee as a start was sort of a new. As As we scale, they became more and more of an important factor for us. You know we started looking into biodegradable packaging, uh, the type of tea bags we use, and then obviously the shipping. So we're trying to create sort of a full cycle, not in the sense of circle economy, but in the sense of when you buy a product from us, it's good for your health, it's good for the planet, and we give back to the community as well. So mm-hmm. in our rebranding that we're going through, those are the three pillars we're trying to we're trying to build upon, but in terms of packaging. So, a lot of research has came about in the last year. It's a, a really a steep learning curve. New materials like oxo biodegradable are being, you know, now banned in many countries. And now you have PLA, and then you have Omni biodegradable by other companies. So it's definitely been a deep dive into learning. As mm-hmm. of now, our tea bags themselves are compostable, but even then, we're thinking about switching now to a cotton tea bag altogether. It's an added step, but now it's hand stitched. Uh, we think it could add a lot of value. And the reason for that is simple. is it's It seems like uh, we're forever chasing the best materials because there's just new development, just like technology, there's new development coming out all the time. So the issue is we're lucky in Montreal that we barely have a garbage uh, disposal in our house or we barely make use of it. You know, it's really compost or recycling, and it's one of the two. But that's not true for everywhere we sell to, and sometimes compost is not even an option. Mm. And in that case, the question is, is the comp- is a compostable material actually doing more harm than good if it is not composted so that's sort of been the challenge for us in learning i feel like we're learning all kinds along the way but we are but when we came to Pachama, so we presented a solution i think to Shaba about maybe x, x maybe six months or a year ago and uh, shabab presented us to Pachama and how we're working with this new solution and we loved it from the bat it was it was traceable it was accountable it was easy to integrate and it met all the factors. We're like, this is a no-brainer, at least. It seems less complex than, than the packaging that we're diving into. So we were, we were very happy to jump on
3: board with that. Nice. I like that. I know that's one of the things that they focused on and we focused on a lot is just making it easy for, for the brands and, and for the end consumers. And so, so David, how about if, if you could jump in, explain in your words, what is Pachama and give us a little bit of the backstory on like why, why Pachama came into existence?
1: yeah absolutely. And, and first of all, it, it's so wonderful to hear about you know talking about circular economy and packaging because when it comes to when it comes to sustainability, there are so many different ways to be addressing it. And you know the idea of carbon offsetting, it's not supposed to be a syntax. It's not supposed to be an excuse to continue business operations as usual, right and then just offset it away. Ideally, every company is measuring their impact figuring out ways to reduce the impact. Now, that being said, there's just a pragmatic carbon cost to running any business. The four or sorry, the f- uh, five of us right now on this live storm, the amount of data it takes to power this, the internet, right? There's a carbon footprint to this, yeah. right? E-commerce has added so much to our daily lives, both from you know business perspective, as well as us as individual consumers. That being said, right, there are emissions that we can avoid. And so the idea with offsets really is how can we help businesses right negate that impact that 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 footprint that they can't that's unavoidable, right? And how do we help them support projects that are ideally sequestering carbon? What I always like to start with, our mission at Pahamma is to restore nature. How we are going about that is we are developing technology to address the forced carbon market. When it comes to carbon offsets, there's all sorts of different schemes out there. We focus exclusively on nature-based solutions and force. When it comes to force, trees are the oldest technology in the world for sequestering carbon. They are also the most uh, one of the most scalable and efficient mechanisms for sequestering carbon. But more than just carbon, right a carbon credit, a carbon offset, it's a financial instrument, right? It, it enables companies to measure right what their impact is on one side and it enables them to communicate with different types of projects all over the world in the same way a dollar bill or a euro right currency does. And so when it comes to forests and why we focus exclusively on on forestry right now, there are so many co-benefits that go beyond just the price of carbon to conserving and restoring forests from biodiversity, habitat corridors, supporting local indigenous communities, clean water, cooler temperatures, right? The list goes on. So that being said, when we kind of addressed when this company was founded, it was looking at this intersection of what holes were there in the market between existing you know, ecosystems in place right? to restore nature and what technologies have been developed. And what we came across was when it came to the forest carbon market, super thorough, super well-intentioned industry, not really backed in technology, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but the process for getting new projects off the ground literally involves sending people out to these really remote forests around the world to manually count and measure trees. It costs six figures every time just to do the auditing because of that, it's really hard to scale these projects. And these projects only get audited every five, seven years. A lot can happen. You look at countries like in Brazil, and the Amazon, new president takes over a couple of years ago, political winds change, deforestation rates spike. Really hard to monitor these projects to ensure that they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that was really where Pachama was born from, was right mission to restore nature and, and what? how can we kind of use... Silicon Valley technology, AI, machine learning, right, venture to create a system that will really improve this market to A, get more funds going towards these types of forestry projects, and B, start to develop tools so that we can start to originate and get new forestry projects off the ground so we can really start to scale, right, forest restoration around the world. Since you mentioned restoration
3: a few times and getting new projects off the ground, but there's reforestation and then there's avoided deforestation projects. And so if you could explain what's the difference between those and which you guys focus on today and why.
1: Yeah, so we focus on, there's actually a third project as well, which is a third type of project, improved forest management. So we focus on all three. General high-level idea for any forest carbon project is a project generates carbon credits based on this net delta over, say, the next 40 years because this project exists this landmass will be able to sequester X amount of tons of carbon. If this project didn't exist, it would only be able to sequester Y, right? And that additional, like that delta is what they generate credits for. Now, if you're planting trees, it's kind of, right, it's it's a little bit more obvious to see as you plant a tree and as they continue to grow, they sequester more carbon, right? It's like the Y is zero and the X is just up. If you're talking about an avoided deforestation, we're looking at in areas like the Amazon Indonesia Africa, right, where there's really high deforestation rates and part of the funds for this project go towards actually hiring human patrols and resources to deal with many of these areas deal with armed tree poachers. They also go towards um, working with local communities to create agro, modern agroforestry practices. One project we work with built a Brazil nut processing facility. So that the locals can start working with the land, right, to improve their economics from working with the land as opposed to having to cut the money down for timber. So that would be what an avoided deforestation project is, is you're taking, right, and that's part of what Pachama does. When we look, when we take an avoided deforestation project, we can pull satellite data imagery dating back to the 80s. We can look at a project that's, say, 20,000 hectares and look at a million hectares right in the surrounding area. And we can see, was this area actually at risk of deforestation? Is this project justified, right, to make sure that there is this what's, what's considered additionality, right? And additionality is, is but for this project existing with this carbon otherwise be sequestered. So that's kind of the difference between reforestation versus avoided deforestation. There's no right or wrong answer, right, between the two. the It's more an issue of quality versus non-quality, are these projects doing what they're supposed to be doing? And there's all sorts of considerations that go into it. There's a lot of momentum now towards what's called carbon removal, which is planting trees. And this idea of, right, you're planting initial tree, it's growing, sequestering more carbon. There's a lot of issues around that though that go, if we're just looking at carbon as the only metric, we're kind of missing the bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. so there's a lot of these like tree plantations, pine, eucalyptus, that sure, these trees can grow very consistently, But we're creating, right? we're growing trees like crops and you're creating biodiversity jungles in doing this. That's kind of missing the point of restoring nature. So I I think both are equally important in very different ways. As long as we're still seeing these crazy rates of deforestation in in areas like Alaska and the Amazon and Indonesia, right? These projects are, are equally as important and unfortunately, they're losing a little bit of momentum right now.
5: And this is actually the, the reason why we chose Pajama and, and yeah. that they have it certified and can guarantee that uh, that we are actually ca- they're actually capturing that carbon. Yeah. And I agree with you as well, David, that you're talking about. We we are not just buying our, our, us a solution for this because the companies still have to you know calculate their emissions, uh, go to projects to reduce their their emissions as much as they can. Mm-hmm. But still, you're you're left with some emissions, and you have to you have to account for that. So, so carbon offsetting through companies like pasama is very, very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, also it, it puts, a, puts a a dollar figure on the emissions itself, which is also then a driving force for companies to go into a more extensive pro- projects or, or expensive projects to reduce the emissions. So so putting a price on the carbon really helps in that aspect as well. I'm glad you brought up the price, because that's something I want to dive into
3: in a second as well. But, so an order comes in, you know, I, I buy your product, during the checkout process, what is actually happening to maybe calculate what is needed, you know, for that that dollar amount for the carbon offset, you guys are looking at the actual product, the dimensional weight, how far it's traveling, like wh- what goes into that process? And and what happens like with the customer experience?
5: Regarding the uh, calculation of the missions, we are looking at uh, three different scopes, so usually talking about scope mm-hmm. one, two, and three. And and like scope 1 then you're looking at the fuel consumption of the company so what we actually do, we actually carbon neutralize all our production here at the blue lagoon and then we actually wanted to go further in that aspect that we wanted uh, our customers to be able to buy our products anywhere in the world and, and get it carbon neutral and that's why we we went into this this project with tashama but what, what we actually do we, we, we calculate uh, or or measure the consumption of fuel that we use like the buses that we use to transport uh, custom our guests to and from the blue lagoon we 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 offset that we offset any fuel consumption of of the staff buses mm-hmm. and and the company cars mm-hmm. uh, for for scope 2 it's energy and heat so the the we are we are very lucky to have a green energy power plant and uh, so we get the electricity and heat at a very low carbon rate, but still it, we, we calculate that as well and, and mm-hmm. carbon neutralize it. And then we go into scope three and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's always how, how far are you're going to reach really. So what, what we actually do here, we, we carbon offset any any business flights that are related to our, our employees, uh, we carbon offset uh, waste management of all the waste that is coming from the facility. And now we are looking into the transportation, really.
4: Yeah, from the, the absolutely from the beginning, from the production side. To the main location, to the, which market we are actually, or to the warehouse, and then to the customer. So it's all the way.
5: In in a perfect world, we yeah. would we would be able to buy all these services carbon offsetted. Yeah, we would really like that. If if there's a company providing this service or these product carbon offset, we would choose that. So it and it really goes to the companies and to the consumer that we should be by by buying products that are carbon offsetted. You're pushing for onto companies to carbon offset mm-hmm. their products and, co- uh, and choosing services that are carbon offsets. So,
3: mm-hmm. and but, so talk uh, me through the customer experience. So do you guys promote the fact that you're you're doing this on the website when I'm going through like the checkout process? Is this mm-hmm. part of it? Does this cost the end consumer additional money if they want to round up or they notified? Like what, what does that customer experience uh, look like? It doesn't
4: really cost the customer anything. This is what we will do ourselves but of course people introduce it to them and we have it on our official website Mm -hmm. the blue lagoon.com where we talk about our missions and then we are just um, as we are quite recent with Pajama we are working on just introducing what we are doing with them on our blue lagoon skincare website
5: yeah and the amazing thing about this really is that this this doesn't really cost that much And this is one of the global issues in the world that uh, we we are facing climate change and and we can we can easily do so so much uh, to improve this and 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 starting by at least calculating our emissions uh, choosing to go carbon offsetting and then working continuously to reduce our emissions is the only way forward really to to tackle this this huge climate change and it's it's, it, it doesn't really I think any company can do this, really, big big, big or small, really. 100%. Yeah. I'm just going to add to that. We're, we're
0: a two-year-old company, right? And when we started entertaining all this, it seemed very complex before Pachama. There was a lot of complexities, uh, but we were still sort of learning all about it, right, and learning how to apply it. And now that, you know, we have Pachama, we're like, okay, well, this is perfect. We can easily turn our attention to everything else you mentioned, our supply chain, our manufacturers, and everywhere else we want by saving lots of time for pajama. and even once we do figure out every other, I guess, leg of the supply chain, mm-hmm. um, it's still going to be easy to offset those carbon credits, the, the carbon with
1: Pajama. Yeah. Yeah. My thing to add in here, and I think both brands kind of touched upon this, is mm-hmm. right there's different scopes and different levels that you can go into in terms of and, and i think it can be overwhelming when you especially when you're talking about producing a physical product to go from zero to carbon neutral right. and so there are different aspects of your business pachama admittedly is much more focused on measuring forests and providing the highest quality offsets than measuring necessarily companies footprints and there are self-reporting tools we can recommend there's other partners we work with that work more on complex supply chains but that being said, right, there are certain like, part of the integration that we did, Casey, with ShipBob is we're focused with ship, the ShipBob API specifically on shipping, right? And that takes into account, there's coefficients from the EPA that take into account the size of the package, sorry, I should say the weight of the package, the type of method of transportation, and the distance traveled. And that's something as long as, you, you know, as I mentioned before, every company should be measuring and reducing, right, and figuring out their supply chain. But regardless of what you do with that as long as you're shipping via e-commerce right that's not something right that you can reduce today yeah. so and that is also again easily measurable and super super cheap i think it comes out to we measured with uh, with your team i think it's like 0.005 cents per yeah. order on average right yeah. to do this and so right this is an easy way for brands to get started right in terms of messaging their companies not saying that this is a necessarily a, a carbon neutral product but at least the carbon the <laughs> shipping is carbon neutral right And you we'll kind of continue your your development right in the product right, you can start taking into account right what we did with ship bob as like separate from the api integration right is measuring all of the warehouse energy you know, we work with one company that does yoga pants and they did a self-reporting based on the materials they use and they figured out, okay, if one pair of yoga pants equals an estimate a half a ton of carbon, they sell 300 one month, they place an order with me for 150 tons, right? And they are offsetting and marketing around that specific product. So there's many different ways and different kinds of levels that you can be addressing, right? Your your carbon footprint.
3: And Shane, I'm glad you broke that down. And, and yeah, that was what was important to us is that we can't just do it on the shipping side. We have to do it within our fulfillment network as well. And and then people could start thinking through and and as we think of expanding it, you know higher up in the supply chain as well mm-hmm. um, Michael, with you and herbaly, do you eat this cost? Do the customers have to pay it? Do they see it at the checkout what what is that cost? Uh, as of right now, we eat the cost and it's not
0: visible anywhere. We do hope to sort of rebrand a bit by the end of the year, so we're going with a new site, some new packaging features, and we do hope to add more into that you know that three pillar process we're talking about of know, the planet, your health and community. And in doing so, we'll probably have it more visible on our site. And I I think it's good to promote it. I think it creates awareness. And like we were saying, some municipalities, you know, still don't have composting options. They still don't have all the necessities for the consumer to actually be sustainable himself or help him be sustainable. So in creating awareness, however we can and pushing, you know, pushing for these initiatives, I think we'll get to our our goals faster.
3: So a question I have to ask, because it is, you know, per order, let's say the total is is relatively nominal, right. but it's still a cost and that can add up. And as your business continues to have more success and as your business continues to expand internationally, mm-hmm. the offset cost per order will probably go up a little bit as well.
2: Mm-hmm. How did
3: you guys think about this? We'll start with you, Michael. How did you guys think about this as a company? And hey, are we willing to utilize a solution like Pachama it's going to eat directly into our margins.
0: To be honest, it wasn't even much of a conversation. It was, it was sort of a no brainer, um, you know, to move forward. And I think that just that just needs to be the mindset to actually make it happen. When you look at it from a profit perspective, you'll more than often take a step back and that's just, you know, how corporations run. Uh, but if we make it a must, I think that'll just be it moving forward.
4: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Completely agree. With- Mm-hmm. a no-brainer so mm-hmm.
5: it's that's really <laughs> it's why why isn't like... everyone doing
3: this It's well love those answers that's what i was expecting to hear but it's it's great to hear from you all as well where yes there is a cost but it, it should be a no-brainer you should be you should be baking this into your business as is and again that was part of our thinking as well to introduce it internally too so uh you know it's, it's great to see you all leading by example
5: and pushing us forward. And I think as well, the, the consumers are more environmentally aware now than mm-hmm. ever before. And I think it will just continue on. So so uh, by doing this, at least you are, you are being more competitive in the future and, mm-hmm. and, and getting just more yeah. sales. So it, it will always be more beneficial to do this, I think, in, in the end. So. Perfect,
3: and and I want to want to jump into that side as well. We'll get some some good marketing and sales stuff before we you know wrap it up. It's crazy; we're almost at the top of the hour. But a, a quick question for you, David: Why focus on trees? Why trees? Um, why trees? Why forests? W- where was that in your approach? I'm sure there's other avenues you guys could have explored. Why Why was that where you wanted to focus so much of your effort to start?
1: Yeah, you know we are a little over two years old, so I think our mission is to, as i stated is to restore nature so eventually there are other types of mechanisms that we want to address blue carbon being kind of the obvious next step sea kelp mangrove restoration there's a lot of great work being done by other companies in soil as well we started with trees primarily kind of this Venn diagram between trees are already sequester, like already have the ability right to sequester significant amounts of carbon They are one of the most efficient and cost effective, ergo scalable mechanisms, right? To really start ramping up, whether that's tree planting or figuring out ways how to conserve more trees that are already sequestering significant amounts of carbon, right? They're already such an efficient carbon sequestration technology on their own, right? That it's nature's carbon sequestration technology. And on the other side of this, right, it was kind of like, where were these gaps in the market in terms of a technology standpoint? that we could address right and build stuff using advancements, both in remote sensing, the satellite imaging resolution over the last five to 10 years, it's like every year is just exponentially getting better, as well as advancements in artificial intelligence and machine learning, right? that enables us to create different models, both for measuring the biomass, but also for detecting deforestation events. So it was really kind of this, this confluence of wanting to focus on nature, what is scalable and what new technologies have kind of, we could kind of parlay. And so that's what led us to focus on forests as a first step. But yeah, eventually we, we do, it is in our right, our hearts to be able to do more than, you know, our mission is not to restore forests, it's to restore nature. Perfect.
3: And let's see, here, here's a question that just came in from Alan. Is there an analysis element that helps users determine if certain shifts in their current operational model, model could lower impact and, offset demands. So I guess hmm, maybe we'll go to uh, Sigmund Like, As you guys think through how you approach the entire supply chain, I guess, how do you analyze how your operations or supply chain is functioning and maybe shifts that you can do to to reduce the impact?
4: Well, actually, this is a very interesting question because uh, as Finale has been explaining, our focus is to Go more into like minimalism mm-hmm. with everything we do and with the, all, all our new products. And this is what actually is called skin minimalism. I don't know if you heard about that, but that's uh, what it means. Actually, it's it is to offer the, you know the high quality and potent products with you know that help the customer also to simplify their own skincare routine. And that's you know what we are introducing to our customers to minimize all packaging as most as we can, skip all inserts and everything. And that's very important as well. And with the, you know, we have them customer certified by as well. And, and also by just simplifying your own skincare routine, you are doing the, your own, you know, good in order to lessen, you know, their own personal waste, because it's a, it's a lot of consumption and it's very important mm-hmm. that you have your own impact. So this is where we are also contributing for a sustainable future. So it's uh, all linked together. So it's, uh, I don't know if it's answered when, your question.
3: Yeah, yeah it does. That, that's great. Thank you. So I have, I think, two more questions left. Michael, we'll start with you first. I have to ask from, you know, a you're running a business also at the end of the day. So from a capitalist perspective, how do you go about utilizing your approach to nature or sustainability or carbon neutrality maybe in your marketing or sales or product development and on your website how, how do you guys approach that
0: i think this was more of a focus for the rebranding like we're not i mean uh, both both those efforts don't really play out in our marketing whatsoever now we are looking at other brands like like 10 for example does an amazing job of of showing you accountability on and when on your purchases and showing you the, the process of the tree and we love that whole process. They, they actually offer you a tag uh, to show you the tree that they're planting. I'm not sure how it correlates to what David was saying of the whole tree planting side, but we are looking at efforts of, of how other companies are putting a focus on this. We do wanna you know, share it as much as we can, but I think it's gonna be a question of, we spoke to no issue that you guys referred for our shipping packaging, so our compostable mailers. I think one of our favorite things about that company is that they write it in real big, that this is a compostable mailer. And again, that's from a question of of awareness you know I, I would almost write on it this is not garbage stop throwing things out <laughs> <laughs> and recycle it so but by saying this is a compulsive miller that was a good first step and then for our packaging we we do want to share maybe the offsets and the rest of course we are entertaining how we're going to incorporate those three pillars into our future brand
1: Casey as a as a quick plug here as well you know, our core competency and focus, the technology we're developing mm-hmm. really is, is on the remote sensing, but more and more we're starting to put resources into the storytelling component as well. So right. all of the ShipBob customers that purchase offsets for shipping through the ShipBob API, once they purchase, will get a, land, a Pachama landing page that will highlight the amount that they're offsetting and which projects are being supported. Those will link to the project pages so that you're like herbaly and blue lagoon stakeholders right their customers can go right and to us it's not just good enough to say right hey this is carbon neutral shipping right we want to be able to help our customers stakeholders right better understand everything we've talked about on this call right what is the difference between reforestation and avoided deforestation right and, and why is each project important and what are these benefits beyond just carbon in the same way and, and I agree Tentry does a wonderful job right we're we're baking that into our our product as well. Right. So how we can educate users on what is happening in the projects that our customers are supporting.
3: Nice. Thanks for that. And and I feel like I kind of, we kind of buried the lead where it's, you know, if you're running your site already, at least to get it, let's say set up with Pachama, it doesn't take that much time. And from a cost perspective, it's not overly impactful and you are doing good and it does not impact the, the customer experience. And so like you have both mentioned, it's a no brainer. And so uh, hopefully a lot more brands and, you know, as we continue to pr- promote the Pachama integration as well, you know, see this as, as such a no brainer. So again, so Signe and Finar, uh, what about from you all, like from a positioning perspective and, and, showcasing this, especially I think with the, the younger demographics or maybe per- people in certain geographies, they hold this as so important to them. So how, how do you guys approach that and in, in kind of showcasing what you're doing while also kind of being proud about it behind the scenes?
4: Well, actually, we talk a lot, of course, about sustainability, and we have it very uh, quite visible on our new website, you know, what we are doing and where we come from. But uh, as I mentioned before, we are just recently started with Bochama, and we will continue, you know, talk about it and have a make a special landing page where we, you know, introduce the cooperation. And of course, it needs to be transparent before we actually talk about it. You need to be as a consumer. We want to see where everything comes from, if it's legit and all that. So it's uh, incredibly important that it's very transparent.
5: And we see it as yeah. well in the company because mm-hmm. you know the the younger employees that were coming are coming to Blue Lagoon. Yeah. They are more and more invested into the environment. And, and if we want to be a, want to get the best employees in the future, mm-hmm. we have to. Do our best yeah. to preserve the environment. So, uh, in, in that aspect, it's it's important for the mm-hmm. internal internally for the company and externally mm-hmm. as well. So. I love that. It's we actually saw in that up, it's up, over here.
3: It, sorry, go for it.
4: It's sort of in our culture, yeah. you
3: know.
0: So yeah, uh, I was gonna I was gonna say that. I think I think that's one of the biggest benefits. I think is that there's a culture shift, you know, and mm-hmm. in, in some countries or maybe not even a shift. They've been like that for mm-hmm. you know for centuries, and that's what needs to happen sort of globally, you know, for these shifts to happen is that they're they're thinking about this before even starting the company. It's ingrained in, in the fabric of what's going to be our supply chain and where's it going to come from and all these things, which are questions that maybe here often arise later on, you know, down the road. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important shift, especially that it's good for marketing, but at the same time, there's a lot of clashes with marketing where, you know, bigger package sizes might not be as beautiful or bigger, you know, or the nicest shiniest materials might not be you know the most sustainable uh, but when it comes from a, a culture ingrained then those things don't matter anymore it's marketing Absolutely. and sustainability are tied together
4: and it becomes a luxury when it's you know very you know sustainable
1: mm-hmm. in all yes. ways so. yes definitely my hope is that it's this it, it's both the combination of brands like yourselves that are taking it on their end but also consumers that are driving that behavior and supporting brands the analogy they give is case here in California. Ten years ago, if you went to a Safeway or Pavilions market, right, the organic produce section was like not even ten percent, right? It was like afterthought in the market. And mm-hmm. they started losing market share to Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. And now if you go into the market, right, it's like a third of it. And is that because Safeway itself really cares? I don't know. But <laughs> cons- consumer behavior started driving them to kind of think that way. So I, I think it's I don't know if it it's the chicken or the egg, what comes first, yeah. but my mm-hmm. hope is that it it's both brands like you're starting as Michael said from like thinking about this from day one, and we get brands all the time that reach out to us and like they haven't even launched yet. But also, it's going to be a big, big part on the consumers as well, right? To reward brands for taking that into account. Agreed,
3: and and, and you, I'm glad you guys mentioned the company aspect because I don't know if any announcement got more applause as far as I can remember at ShipBob than we when we announced this initiative with Pachama, and so I think it's of course, happiness internally, it's employee retention, it's attracting, you know, a different type of employee or, or colleague as well. So we're already at the top of the hour. I have to ask my last question. We'll do rapid fire. So we'll try to keep them quick. What is your number one piece of advice for entrepreneurs or brand owners today? So Signe, we'll we'll start with you.
2: <laughs> well,
4: uh, number one, you mean just for, you know, new brands, so introducing new brands or products and just be, uh, you know, have all certifications in place. Just to know what you're doing. Read the market, understand its its needs. So that's one of the core, you know, know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah. Yeah. You want to add something? Yeah.
5: Look, look into your sustainability. Yeah. How your your environmental performance is, and and, and try mm-hmm. to do better. Just yeah. in, increase your performance. Yeah. So.
4: That's where, what we always do in product development. We mm-hmm. always try to do it
3: better every day. Better. Thank you, David. What's your number one piece of advice?
1: Sustainability is not a race. There's no start point and finish line. It's a journey. Figure out ways. Right, it's overwhelming when you're just starting out. Figure out ways to start small. Right, as conversation. Right, you don't necessarily need to off make your whole company carbon neutral, but start with shipping. Start with air travel. Right, and it doesn't have to necessarily be offsets. Right, but start with small things start incorporating that and keep evolving keep looking at different angles and ways that you can incorporate it into different aspects of your business
3: thank you and last but not least michael
0: i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna second both those but basically definitely you know be genuine in in your product be genuine in what you're building Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have a real passion for it it's going to work and i think just like any aspect of your business just do it and you're going to optimize over time and just make sure that sustainability is as big of a pillar as every other department in your business and it'll also optimize over time.
3: Perfect. Well, thank you all for you know, taking an hour out of your day to join us. Thanks everybody in the audience for again taking time as well. We'll be here next Wednesday as always. We've got a great guest with uh, the team over at Your Super. We're really excited for them to share their story and how they've been able to grow so successfully. And again, if you're in your ShipBob dashboard, just find, you know, the go to the app store, find Pachama It's as easy as a few clicks. Please come check it out. And yes, thank you, everybody. Take care. Um, Thank you. you Thanks.
2: Take
3: care. Bye.
2: Take care.